Welcome to the Chad Cargill ACT Test Prep Podcast, coming to you from the Ollie Ray Ranch in Choctaw, Oklahoma. This is the podcast to help you increase ACT scores, qualify for college, and win those much-needed scholarships. We'll talk colleges, careers, and most of all, test-taking strategies and tips. Science ACT. This is the section that gives so many, so much confusion, difficulty, Sometimes you take this and you're just shaking your head thinking, oh my gosh. And although the ACT has been virtually the same for the last few decades, there are subtle changes that are important to know. And in this episode, we'll discuss some of those changes that you'll see in the science section of the ACT. Before I get into that, it is going to be snowmageddon here in Oklahoma. I mean, they are predicting a foot and a half of snow this weekend. I don't even know what's happening right now. And so, by golly, I'm back in the sneaking virtual role with my young kids. And I just, the more I do this, the more I just think you guys that are doing it, man, just do your best. Make sure you get your work done. Log in. It'd be so easy to just blow this off. And I'm worried about what the long-term ramifications are going to be of all this, uh, you know, students who aren't used to doing online school and now trying to tackle it in a temporary role. So do your best. Try not to get behind. Keep reading. Keep studying. And take advantage of maybe some extra time that you have to get some extra ACT study in. And there's no better section than to spend a little extra time than trying to figure out the science. The science section is just weird. It's different. I tell in my workshop, it's different than any section you've ever taken. It's different than any test you've ever taken. Most of us do not know how to do reasoning tests, and this is a very different section. I want to talk a little bit about the history of this section of the test, kind of give you a little timeline, and then we'll go through a little bit of some of the changes and what I'm seeing studying the test now. The very first time I took the ACT, it was my freshman year of high school, and I, I, when I took this last section of the test, it was very content driven. There was a lot of content involved. Uh, it was maybe what you would typically think of a science test would be. There was some reasoning, some graphs, that kind of thing, but a knowledge of the content and vocabulary was important then. In the fall of 1990, ACT completely redid the test. A lot of people don't know this, but Before the fall of 90, there was American history on the test. There was social studies. There was, it was just a different kind of test. But in the fall of 90, that's when ACT introduced this format that we see today for the science reasoning section. And so we're talking from 90 to 2000 to 10 to 20. I mean, we're at 30, 31 years now of this type of science reasoning section. But there have been subtle changes as the years have gone. And it was interesting because when I first took this this version of the test in 90, I was just blown away, but I had no idea what they were even asking. And so as it took me a lot of ACTs to understand what they were asking in science and why. And this is the one section where you look at questions and you're like, the answer's not here. 
and you reread it, reread it, you get so frustrated and you're just like, heck with it, see. And this section is just so confusing like that. I didn't understand it at all. And I, I finally, it, I got to a point that I recognized that no one else did either. And that really helped me. And that's why I teach in the workshop. If you think you're doing badly, don't worry. Everyone else is too, because it's the truth. No one knows what they're doing. It's uh, and and uh, see, that's bad grammar. If you've listened to my uh, grammar episodes from earlier, um, when I say no one knows what they're doing, I say no one knows what he or she is doing. All right, so you can go back and listen to the episode I did uh, on the uh, indefinite pronouns. So that's a that's a good one. See, and I'm always catching those corrections. Hopefully, you caught that as well. So I realized no one knew what he or she was doing on this section either. And it was tough for everyone. I actually came to a conclusion over the course of my 18 ACTs in high school that if I walked out of a science test and I said, oh my gosh, that was really difficult. I, I think I did terrible. Those were the ones I did the best on. And I, I really don't know why. I just thought maybe since it was graded relatively that maybe everyone else did terrible as well. So science was a seven section or seven passages over 35 minute test up until the 1415 school year. I even used to use this as my example on why you should never guess at the five minute call. I used to say, hey, if it's a 35 minute test and there's seven passages designed to be of equal length and equal difficulty, 35 divided by seven is five minutes. So if you were working science at theoretically the right pace, when she yells five minutes, you should just be turning the page to start the last passage in science. And that was something that I was able to teach until the 2014-15 school year. But in the 14-15 school year, they reduced this to six passages. It's still 40 questions. It's still 35 minutes, but they reduced it to six passages instead of seven so you could say, yeah, I've got a little more time per passage now because it's 40 divided by six. Well, it's a, it's, it's a small amount of difference, so you don't want to get too caught in that. But in general, um, you should be started on the last passage when they call five minutes if you are working at theoretically the right pace. Now, studying the ACT, and I don't get all of them. I, I get, I get what, the ones they release. I'm able to see those. And I try to study uh, to some extent just to see that I keep up with whatever changes or things they may be doing. This section virtually is no content. So what I mean by that is it's not material like you have to have memorized facts or vocabulary from class. I even say in the workshop, if you learned it in your high school science class, it's not going to be asked as a question on the ACT science test. That's why I would say they would never ask you what's the first element on the periodic chart. And you have to remember that it's hydrogen because you were taught that in class. It's remained that way in that it's not necessarily a, a content driven or vocabulary driven test. But when I say virtually no content, there is an occasional question where you may have to have some slight knowledge or previous knowledge or be able to figure out what a word context might be. I believe that ACT is going to start introducing more content on this section. I used to really focus on the title even of the section as science reasoning. Now I've noticed that they, they're using just science as the title 
And even in the materials that I read now, it appears that they're getting more away from the word reasoning. It is still a reasoning test, but I, I've noticed that in some of the things that have been written and, and different namings that it appears they're trying to give the impression that this is more of an actual science test rather than a science reasoning test. Now, I've got a lot of beliefs on why this is. I, I think it's interesting because states give uh, the ACT or they use the ACT as the state standardized test score. Many of the states, I was just in Nebraska this week uh, teaching up there and uh, same thing. They use it as their state score. Oklahoma does the same. I know there's other states that will use it as a standardized test score. What's interesting is some of these states are actually giving a supplemental science test because the argument is the ACT does not prove that you learned anything in your high school science class. It proves that you can reason, which is a valid argument. So states will actually give content tests in science as a supplemental and use that as a science score. And ACT is concerned about that because it could impact their market share. It could impact their income, the bottom line, which we know is a huge deal there, as it is with about any company, even though they claim nonprofit. We know that it's a big deal. They do not want to lose market share and they don't want to lose their income. And so they've got to make sure that their test is viewed as valid and an accurate measurement. That would be expected. And so they're going to adjust this test to make sure that they fit that. I think there's some pressure from the outside for ACT to introduce a little more content into the science section. So as I study the test, I am looking to see if that indeed is true. And then I will try to adjust what I teach on this podcast and what I teach in my class as a result. Now, the last test that has been released was the July 2020 ACT. The December test from 2020 was released. I have not seen it yet. So if students are receiving it already, uh, I have not seen it. And that may be the case, but I have not found anyone that has it yet. So I haven't been able to study it. I will get it eventually and I'll be able to study it and give you a report on it. But ACT usually releases the December, April, and June national tests. And you always should order this. Now you can listen to podcast episode four. If you go to podcast.chadcargo.com forward slash four, that will take you to that episode. Or in any of your podcast apps, you can just scroll back to episode four. But the direct link, podcast.chadcargo.com forward slash four, will take you to that episode. And you can listen to me teach on how you order this, uh, when it's offered, and then what to do when it comes in. I, I give you a very detailed plan on how you track your misses, how you practice accordingly. It's a great episode to listen to if you're going to order your test. Well, this past year, due to COVID, they released the July test. All right. And so the July 2020 test got released. And so I got that and I started studying it, um, working through it. And I wanted, I was really interested to see how much content you had to know to get any questions, if at all. So I'm going to share that with you right now, the results of that. On the July 2020 science test, there were two things you had to know that were not necessarily in the passages or in the graphs, but you just had to have some scientific knowledge to know it. So here they are. Number one, there was a passage about insects eating 
tree bark. And so one of the questions you had to know was tree bark cell walls, were they made of cellulose or cholesterol? There was really nothing in the passages or the graph that would have told you that. You just had to know were the tree bark cell walls made of cellulose or cholesterol? And obviously it's cellulose, not cholesterol. And so unless uh, we're clogging up arteries or something, uh, yeah, so cellulose is what it was made of. And you had to know that in order to get that correct. The other one was you had to know that autotroph, auto meant self or self-powered. So you had to know that an autotroph was self or created its own energy. Those were the only two things that you had to be able to have some scientific knowledge or be able to interpret on your own that was not from the passage or the graphs. I think it's interesting because a lot of us will think, well, if I study these facts or I study this vocabulary, I'm going to raise my score. Now, we've had some discussions about our prep book and the way we have it designed and organized in science. I've talked with some that have helped me on the book about the debate of should we be including possibly a lesson on words, like in this case, autotroph. Auto, meaning self, creates its own energy. That argument that we should do that would fit what we saw in the July 2020 test. The problem is, is you just don't see a lot of content. So I really don't want students spending a million hours learning all these roots and suffixes and prefixes and what it might mean, because I don't know how much that would actually impact scores. It might get a question here or there, but I don't know if that is an efficient use of your study time. There's just not a lot of content still. It'll be interesting once I see the December, April, and June from this year, this school year being the 2021 school year to see if there is more of that content on there. I think what happens is when you listen to an episode like this, you start saying, okay, well, if it's not content and all that, then my high school classes really don't matter. And I, I do want to address that. Yes, they do matter. A great example of this is my daughter, Casey is about to take an exam to get admitted into nursing school. I don't remember the exact name of the exam that she takes, but she has to go back and she has to do a lot of review from the math and her sciences. And so she's actually going back through my workshop again, even though she's a sophomore in college, about to be a junior. She's going back through my workshop again. She got my packet today. She's watching one of my online classes. I gave her the link today. And so uh, she's going to go through that. And I just sat down with my nephew, Henry, who is a high school junior this year. And I was doing personal tutoring with him on the ACT science section. And so she's like, dad, can I join? I want to do this as well. And when Casey sat down with us and we were working passages and we were going through this, I just want you to know, she scored way better. And we were using national ACT tests. We were using past national ACTs that had been released. And she scored way better now than she did when she was a high school senior. And it was interesting. And I asked her after we worked, I'm like, why do you think you did so much better now? And she's like, well, I just knew so much more. She said, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, I'm familiar with that phrase. And I'm familiar with that. And I've seen those symbols now. And, and then her reasoning side of it, she really felt more confident. And 
we talked about why on that. Here's what we concluded. Because she has taken more science classes now, she's been exposed to more, and because she's doing more labs now, she's starting to reason more. Because the labs are where she's making her discoveries and she's trying to interpret these results for her lab reports. So how does that relate to you as a high school student? It relates to you as a high school student in that it defends that concept again to keep taking those science classes. I've shared before that I did a study many years ago with a doctorate student at Arizona State University, and we, uh, we looked at what classes were statistically significant to an increase in ACT science scores for a particular large high school. And in that study, we found that chemistry was the statistically significant course and it was big. It wasn't necessarily that they were asking questions that you had to have like memory from the chemistry class, but it was the exposure to it because chemistry in a lot of ways is kind of a different language, different symbols, and the exposure to it made a big difference. I think also a lot of high school chemistry classes are doing labs. And when you do the labs, a lot of times we're making predictions or we're seeing what happens when we have variables and we change things. You know, we boil this fluid and we're taking our, the temperature of it and then we're measuring density and weight. And you start reasoning from that. So to students, I say, take those classes like that, get exposed to it. And to the faculty that listen to this workshop or the administrators listen to this podcast episode, I should say, it's important that you do as much graphing, data collection, prediction of future results, estimating, and as many hands-on labs as you can do. And I know you know that, but as many as you can do with that, I think it can really help students with ACT science reasoning, because ultimately it is a reasoning test. It's not about knowing the right answer. It's about taking clues about passages, things that are changing, things that cause other things to change, using those clues to reason, which means we're not looking necessarily for the right answer, but we're having the ability to use those clues to eliminate wrongs or predict results. I've found that Learning those concepts of reasoning, not necessarily looking for right answers. We're trained from elementary school on to, hey, take a test, find the right answer. And when we can start learning this other way of viewing it, of not looking for the right, but eliminating wrongs, reasoning, using those clues, we can see huge increases in science. Now, there's a lot of other things that we could talk about. I'll, I'll try to touch on some of the other things that I teach in science as we go. But I, I've, I've done a few episodes on science already, and they always get really high listenership numbers. I, I can go back to some of my highest listened to episodes. Science sometimes is right at the very top of that. So I want to make sure that I'm trying to hit on a few of those as we go. And I, I think uh, just to kind of summarize it all up, this section hasn't changed much over the years. The biggest changes that I've seen since 1990, since the fall of 1990, is that they don't use the word reasoning as much when they describe this section. They're just calling it science. And they still don't put much content on there. There's only a couple times that I'm seeing content-driven questions and then I believe going forward, they may start putting more on there 
But other than that, it's still the same format of graphs, tables, clues of passages, and reasoning. I hope that helps you somehow clear up a little bit of the confusion on science. This is the one section that students always say is the most confusing. They just don't get it. But really, once you understand why they ask what they do and how they ask what they do, then you're like, oh, okay, I can do this. Science is by far my best subject on the ACT now. And I say by far, I'm, I'm close on other sections, but I usually make a 36 on just about every science test that I take now. When, when they release them and I take them, I usually get a 36 on them. And I, I don't know that it's necessarily that I'm just really, really smart in science. I think it's just, I understand why they ask it and how they do, how, how they do those questions. And I think if you can try to understand that as well, it can really help your score. And I've seen that when I've worked with students individually and even through my workshop. So there you go. That is the difference, the subtle changes that I've seen or that I expect to see coming. Um, but uh, it's still a reasoning test and we'll keep track of it as we go to see if they start putting more content on it. If that confuses you and you're like, man, I want to I wanna understand more of that, then that is what you will learn in my workshop. And so I hope you will find time to get to one of my classes. And I've got a couple of virtual classes coming up as well. And so I know that we have listeners all over the country. Um, I, I look at every one of those book orders that come in. And so I'll, I'll see those book orders from North Carolina and from, uh, you know, wherever, uh, all over the country. And when I see those, you know, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, probably a podcast listener. If you are living away and you want to get in on the workshop, uh, there'll be some virtual classes coming up. So send us an email, chad at chadcargill.com, or my assistant is penny at chadcargill.com. And we can get you the information and you can get registered and uh, join online for that. Uh, get on our mailing list if you would like, and uh, we will be able to notify you of when that comes up. You can get that by getting the free resource of scholarships.chadcargill.com. And that is the free resource I put together to help you with your scholarship applications. Or you can also get testday.chadcargill.com, which is that must-know list of things before you walk into your ACT. All of my classes, again, are on calendar.chadcargill.com, and you can find everywhere I'm going to be. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing you could ever do to help me or help your neighbor is to tell them about it. Tell them, hey, you might want to listen to that podcast. If you just told three friends this week, hey, check out Chad Cargill's test prep podcast. I think it might help you. Uh, that would be amazing, and it would be something that definitely would help me and help this podcast uh, keep going, and I would really appreciate it if you would do that. All right, well, I hope you have a great week, uh, and if you're listening to this live and you're anywhere close to me, my gosh, I saw it predicted that we might get two feet of snow. I said, my, uh, my goodness, that'd, that'd be like a new record, and I mean, this, this area shuts down when we get two inches of snow. I can't imagine two feet of snow, so... Anyway, stay safe. I hope you have a great week. And I will be back with you again next week with another episode. Until then, I uh, will talk to you again soon.